0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of What's the Chucker. My name is Karan Madhok and I am the editor and co-founder of the The TheChakkar.com is an Indian arts review, a celebration of India's artistic creativity, where we publish writing on Indian film, music, literature, theatre, art, sports, and much more. We also publish creative work like poetry, fiction, photography, original art, etc. Over the next hour, I will interview a number of guests on recent trends in music, literature, and film and TV from India and abroad. In conversation today with Patik Santram, Adi Manral, and Shasta Vashnov, we will discuss Welcome Home and Contemporary Horror on Indian Screens, listen to a new song by the band When Chai Met Toast and dive into books by Aravind Adiga and Kaur Jaswal. So strap in and let's go around the Chakkar. So we're starting today with uh, Associate Editor of the Chakkar, Prateek Sandram. Prateek, how are you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. It's nice to have you back on the podcast. Uh, so Prateek, uh, you recently saw a uh, you know a, a decent indian horror movie and it got us both thinking about the fact that there's so few decent indian horror movies like the list uh, as we discussed last time uh, in the last month we spoke about indian sci-fi i think the list of decent horror movies may be even smaller than decent sci-fi movies in india and the ones that yeah de- and the ones that are yeah. good then then we end up being almost like you know they end up having like a cult sort of following because there's so few and far between of them, right? So, um, yeah, I mean,
1: especially like, uh, given that horror itself is the genre, I think, which is one of the oldest genres that films have been uh, about. Uh, Having said that, like movies, movies like in the 50s, 60s, uh, some of them like, which we used to watch in our childhood, like Mera Saya, Gumnam, movies like that, you know, those are the classic uh, horror movies, which a lot of times didn't end up as uh, like the ghost stories, so to speak, the more like the Scooby Doo kind of thing. There was always mm-hmm. a human. <laughs> you had to unmask the human behind the thing. Mm-hmm. But even that, I mean, they were decent films, I would say, for that time. But mm-hmm. you're right, like especially, uh, I think, for, for a long time at least, there there very few films that are that really capture the imagination. Yeah. And and what's a
0: pity with that is the fact that you know India has a long history of really great spoken word ghost stories you know uh, we every pocket of India you know will have its own sort of like very interesting ghost legend um, of course you know where you and I have spent a lot of time in in the mountains in the Himalaya and of course it's like it's well known that every place is supposed to be a little bit haunted right um, so it's it, that's why I think there's so much more potential so every time that there's a there's an Indian horror movie that does sort of you know tickle our fancy it's uh, it yeah. very exciting you know and uh, and as you said we have to go back to the old days to sort of I mean I remember Nagin for example not I thought about that it's probably unwatchable now but at its yeah. time it was a really important film when it came out right um, yeah um, or I could give you the example of the Z horror show which uh, oh, oh, art. <laughs> which again you know it probably doesn't age very well but in the 90s what when we mean? were young watching it, uh, the, the theme tune itself used to get me scared you know <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly so so it, it it's hard for horror films to become zeitgeist now right i i guess uh, anushka Sharma has been producing and acting in a couple of films that and she's trying to sort of push the boundaries a little bit of indian horror yeah but yeah. uh but i want to talk about the film you recently saw you saw welcome home
2: to welcome home, welcome home. <laughs>
1: All right. So this is, uh, people who are interested, it's on Sony live, uh, on, uh, Sony's app. Uh, but yeah, I, I just watched it because it was, it was, uh, people promised it would be different. Like what I read about it like, it was like, it's supposed to be a different story. Uh, and I watched it and, um, so just as a film, it's a well-made film. Let me just start off with that. It's a well-made film. Hmm. Uh, it's got great performances. Um, the story, I mean, it's, it's stories all right, but, uh, but in terms of like, it's horror, it is mo- more of a horror. It's, it's more of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre type of horror, rather than a, say, an exorcist type of horror. So it's very human. The horror is very human. It's something that can happen to people. Uh, probably has happened to people. It is uh, rather scary. Um so in that way, it is very unnerving. Uh, it is violent. It's gory. It's uh, got these. Uh, uh, it's it's short. I mean, it's it's not limited to like just horror at night. You know what I mean? So it's like it goes on during the day. It's when the sun is shining. Terrible things are happening to people. Mm. So it is it is quite uh, unnerving that way. And uh, not to give too much away, but it is about like it's basically set up, set in a home in a in a. House, which is a very normal looking house and all of us have seen these houses uh, have been in like the middle class type of uh, homes. And that's all I'll say about it because it, anything else will give it away. But uh, yeah, it, I think that for India, it's a fresh concept. For India, it's it's, uh, it's something that people I think have tried in the past but have really not um, been successful at that. This movie, yeah. it's still a very, it's it's got a very, uh, what do you call it? A, a very indie film type of vibe. Mm-hmm. um a small budget film type of vibe but yeah it, it makes it work and is it
0: i mean you said it's more of like a slasher movie right like a tex- texas mm-hmm. chainsaw stuff yeah. is, is is it very organically indian in a, in its execution like are are the are the situations around it are, are are they are typically indian situations
1: i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't say it's typically indian but mm-hmm. then you have heard of similar stories, maybe not maybe not to the extent that they show in the movie Mm-hmm. uh with the with the violence and things like that but a lot mm-hmm. of it is things that you hear about in India and all over the world I guess but mm-hmm. you do hear about these things and that's why I say the Indianness I think comes from the fact mm-hmm. uh that there's this house in a you know in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. which which again sounds like a setup for a horror film yeah and mm-hmm. it is in this yes, case but we have seen those houses <laughs> mm-hmm. in the middle of the fields maybe yeah. you know? yeah. so so in that way it is it it is definitely Indian in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah
0: now um, shifting gears a little bit I, I think th- th- there was one recent film that both you and I enjoyed. I think uh, when we wrote um, now it, it must have been over a year ago we, we, you and I yeah. did a list of our favorite 10 films of the decade and you mm-hmm. actually included a horror film in, in that list yeah. uh, and uh, Toombard. So yeah. and and so the reason I asked if this current film was had sort of an Indian-ness to it because because Toombard really did. Like that film had a very strong sense of it, it took something that was very typically of ancient Indian culture it took the kind of story that that again we have heard from our daddies and nanis, you know for generations mm-hmm. and they took a story mm-hmm. like that and made a very interesting horror out of it right uh, mm-hmm. so why don't you tell our listeners who haven't seen Tumbad a little bit more about that movie and why why was that movie so special
1: sure so Tumbad, um it's actually become it's uh, as you're saying it's become one of those cult films now uh is getting more of a following uh since since i saw it for the first time last uh, two years ago but uh, tumbar basically is a very simple uh, when well, when i say simple it's it's as Karan said it's a very uh, it's a story that we we all know of in the sense of it it uh, it's made up but it kind of is on hindu mythology or, mm-hmm. or indian mythology rather uh and it's based around uh gods and goddesses and I know I know, when, I, when people watch it they'll be like no it's not but uh, I mean but it takes that concept it takes it that concept yeah, yeah. It,
0: it, 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 it has not, uh, godliness in it
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's not just a movie it, and it's got the way it starts off and again not to give anything away but the way it starts off um, as much as it is a horror and a fantasy film it is a very good film also in the sense of uh, it stays true to the Indian uh, legends or the stories that we've all heard, uh, in the sense of it's not just skin deep. It's not just if you if you read it and that's it. It's got so much more. It's got layers. And you know, like for example, like in Indian stories, in the ancient Indian stories, nobody is just a, a good guy or a bad guy. You know, <laughs> there are always these gray characters. In fact, a lot of times, the people who win or who are considered the good guys really have done some messed up stuff. Yeah. So. And I think that's what and go to come back to Tumba, I think that's where it brings it from. I mean, there, there are no there is no hero in the film. Uh, there is no villain in the film as well. Uh, and it's it's got so many aspects to it. Like it's got it's got that whole um, as I said the whole uh, legend stuff to it. It's got uh, all the lot, lot of folk stories that we you hear. It's got a bit of the caste system. It's got uh, Indian independence. Like even though yeah. they don't show any struggle but it's got India uh, under the British rule and it's got like a great father-son story. Yeah. Uh, when I say great, I mean a very realistic <laughs> father-son story. Uh, but what, what I would like to say is that it's surprising that a film like Tumbad, there are only very few films like Tumbad where you have this amazing like trove of uh, stories that you can take from, from borrow from, adapt. Uh, and we we end up with very, very mediocre horror films. So Tumbad I think stands out because mm. it, it's very... Indian in the way of like uh, storytelling as well as uh, it kind of is a shout out to like all the great uh, Indian mythology that we've uh, that, that I think are the, are the some of the best stories in the world in history. Uh, there
0: are yeah, visuals just... there are visuals of Timbukt that I will not forget easily. Like there's some scenes from it, you know, that are just hmm. so it's, they're just so creative. They're not necessarily always scary, but they're yeah. just so super different and and they they're unforgettable in a way um yeah but but i i do agree with you that there's so ma- the reason that the film worked for us is that it uses um you know the stories the kind of stories that already exist in our you know um in our storytelling sort of culture in india right um yeah. and there's so many more out there that, that that should just be done properly instead of these cheap horror tactics you know the kind of things yeah. that for example um you and I were discussing *Booth* by Ram Gopal yeah, Yeah. Which again, when it came out it was a big hit and it was a decent movie, but it, it just feels like cheap thrills now, you know, uh, it just feels like a, like a cheap thrill
1: version of Exorcist in a way. Um, exactly. I think that's, that's the problem. Like, I think when they make a horror film, even like it's a decently ex- executed film, like *Booth*, like you were saying, it, it's, it just borrows so much from like the Exorcist or any sort of possession film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I would just say just because you brought up Ram Gopal I'm just going to mention two films really, really quickly mm-hmm. is one of his earlier films, which is Rath, yes. uh, which has mm-hmm. got like a handheld camera and it's got, uh, mm-hmm. it's got very, it's, uh, yeah. So people should check that out uh, because it's on ZTV late night a lot of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you even people are still watching TV. And, yeah. that. and the other, I just want to quickly get in is con uh, which is again Ram Gopal Varma, mm-hmm. uh, And again, it wasn't a horror as in like a ghost story, but mm-hmm. it was just like a thriller. Uh, which a lot of with a lot of horror elements in it, and Manoj mm-hmm. Bajpayee and Urmila are there. And okay, it's a good film. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And 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 there have been a few more released over the past few years that you know, I mean, you know, with streaming, they are trying to make things a bit more creative. Like uh, movies X Three, like which is
1: sort of like a horror comedy in a way. Pari was not a badly done film. Again, again, something that borrows from like the Islamic. Um, uh, culture of like ghosts and all in India. So mm. that, that's why paris is based, based on from the jinns and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's cool.
0: uh, there was Betal, which is, you know, uh, I mean, obviously borrows slightly from the Vikram Betal story, or at least okay. like takes an inspiration from it. Uh, and then there was this series, Gold. Did you watch Goal?
1: Yeah, the, the three-parter. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, I, which, which again is, you know, I, I don't think was very well executed, but Gold sort of had like a very brave idea. Like it it, it mm-hmm. took a it took a political story and ter- turned it into something that's horror, which mm-hmm. uh, at least it's a start. like for me, you know, uh, I'm just glad that stuff like that was being made. Who knows mm-hmm. if stuff like that will be made again, but um, at least it will start to. So before I let you go, my I want to ask you, what was your opinion of the Netflix uh, series or not series the the,
2: the collective
0: film called uh, ghost Stories with, with four <laughs> directors who all did almost all a terrible job.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was uh, just very quickly. Yeah, So I think uh, some of the stories were similar stories. You can see it coming off a uh, mile off. Uh, there were some laughable stories. There was some truly, like, I think Anurag Kashyap made a truly bewildering story, which, again, I, I didn't understand at all. <laughs> but uh, I think I think it was, yeah, I think it was, it is okay in the sense of great, I mean, people should watch it just to see what goes on. But, um, yeah, if you want to watch a Karan Johar version of a horror film, yeah, watch that. It is Karan, Karan Johar I did direct one of them,
0: but yeah, yeah. So, there were four short films made by a Zoe actor Anurag Kashyap, Debakar Banerjee, and Karan Johar. I think I like the Zoya actor one the best, the very first one where she's the nurse, oh, she's taking care of the old yeah. woman.
1: Um, I actually didn't like the Banerjee one because it's it's Again, it wasn't like just pure horror. It was, it had a deeper meaning to it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, it, that wasn't bad. The Anurag Kashyap one was just confusing. Bizarre. And the current <laughs> Johar one was completely terrible. I, I, I just have nothing to offer except how bad it was. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so you know, it, it, it can be hit or miss uh, horror in India. But um, so, just to leave our listeners with this, I think we would both recommend to them. But you would, I haven't seen uh, Welcome Home. But but uh, would you recommend that to uh, you know as as something that would stand the test of time in a way?
1: Yeah, I would say like it's it's a female focused film. It's mm-hmm. uh, a movie that hasn't been done in India before. Uh, I mean, at least to my knowledge, uh, and it's very brutal. It's very real. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say yeah. I mean, give it a, give it a go.
0: And, and there's many more that obviously we couldn't mention, um, you know, just to mm-hmm. save time. But if there's any other films that our listeners like, that that affected them or 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 that they thought should count in this list of decently made recent indian horror films please do let us know um but yeah prateek thank you again for uh for joining me today and uh we'll catch up again in a month sure sure thanks a lot man so i'm here with our chakkar's co-founder and our expert on indie music everything music in india adi manral adi how are you doing welcome back
3: Hi, Karan. Uh, Doing great. Doing great. Uh, Good to be back on our podcast. Thanks. thanks. And
0: and there's been um, some slow development of good news in the indie music scene over the last few weeks, you know, after finally the one year of of COVID scare where basically the live scene was shut down. Everything was on Zoom. Everything was online. I think there have been some positives. Uh, You had mentioned to me offline that we are starting to see a few more acts and bands and events actually holding, you know, COVID-safe live events in person in India. So, um, can you tell me more about that? Uh, who, yeah, who yeah. The
3: and, and and like you said, like some some good that came out of uh, the COVID situation. Just kind of taking a few steps back, the whole year, you know, people uh, we saw a lot more music uh, being produced at home. You know, people are experiment have been experimenting uh, and and coming out with a lot of music lot of, um, you know, publications were coming out with awards in appreciation of music that was released. Uh, we saw, and one that's currently happening is, is from the, indie, the Indian indie music diaries. Um, just again, like, you know, uh, acknowledging what people have been doing, working hard. Uh, but like you mentioned, just some slow signs of recovery now for the scene. You, you see cafes, like the, 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 the one in Delhi, the Piano Man and and others, you know, you see some musicians uh, now starting to get back on stage and play. Uh, very recently, I saw uh, Dhruv Viswanath uh, opening for the Jaipur Lit Fest, uh, uh, which, which, is, uh, which is great. Just uh, looking at musicians now again on stage and, you know, I'm sure they're all taking precautions. It's all encouraging to see that, uh, you know, things might get back to normal very soon. Or maybe not very soon. Might, might take some time. We might have to still live in the hybrid world where you know things are uh, still being explored uh, virtually, but there will be a scope of uh, in-person concerts, which is quite encouraging for the scene.
0: Now you had mentioned uh, a bit earlier that uh, th- that there has been a development and appreciation from music that is being recorded from home. You know, produced and recorded from people. You know, during the pandemic. There's been less access to studio time, less access to live time. Uh, And a lot more artists have sort of developed a voice and uh, sort of an online personality based on their home recordings. Now, looking forward, let's just say, you know, whatever, uh, six months from now, maybe a year from now when things are quote unquote normal again, how do you think this independent recording or, or, or this home music making trend will affect the general scene in India or the sound of, of Indian music in the future. Do you think people will, will go back to the live stadium sound again? Or do you see this trend of the, the bedroom recording as they call it, or in their own garage or whatever, in, you know, in their own home studio recording? Do you think there'll be a, a,
3: a larger need or an audience for music like that? I I think um, now, nowadays because uh, so much uh, experimenting has been done so much great equipment is available that you can use in your homes you can uh, get that big sound as well you know like uh, i'm just talking from my own experience if you the, the all these producers and um, studio uh, managers you know they because of covid they were willing to stay like they they couldn't open their studios as well so they were willing to kind of train musicians and producers uh, sitting at home that hey let me work along with you let me help you with your sound whatever equipment you have will make it work or they would make suggestions if you have a little bit of a budget you could buy and upgrade your 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 sound and um, and like I said from my own experience like I was fortunate to find uh, somebody who was uh, helping me with my own recording process and uh, but 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 it it is a lot of work it is a lot of work um, you know you, you 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 will be your own producer you will be your own mixer mastering all of that stuff you are recording yourself and your songwriting on top of that so the whole process is uh, huge but um, um, people people can now get that sound uh, sitting at home um, and 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 only because there is help now help help available uh, would that mean uh, studios would lose out uh, in business, uh, I'm not sure how that would function, but but again, like like studios did find a little bit of a room where uh, you know virtual concerts were being played through the studios, so there is a scope of them earning, but I'm not sure what all of this would look like. Um, like I said, it's going to be a hybrid uh, uh, scene now. Like you know, there's some element of it's going to be digital and virtual and from home, and some of it is going to be in person. So let's see. Only time will tell us now.
0: And another silver lining is that I recently read that, um, at least in, uh, in the U.S., uh, the, the guitar sales have skyrocketed during the pandemic, mm-hmm. like for websites like Sweetwater, websites like, um, and you know, guitar companies like Fender and all have been reporting that uh, that people are actually buying a lot more instruments to, you know, to become more proficient at guitar while sitting at home, you know, young people who are just bored. And I think that's a really like pleasant sign out of all of this, because it means that hopefully the future is good. Hopefully we're going to have a lot of DIY or or taught yourselves musicians and guitarists who maybe the boredom is going to spark creativity and not just the boredom, but you know, on the other side, the the fact that um, there's been so much pressure and stress and negativity in the world. Sometimes the worst of times can present the best of art, you know, and people who have suffered in India, you know, it can be an inspiring moment for songwriting and music making so
3: yeah so we hope yeah. that the future is good
0: absolutely um uh so i tell me uh any new bands that you've been listening to anyone that you want to flag for this month uh well in, i, I kind of
3: picked uh when chime at toast uh, they're they're like one of the bigger bands in the country uh, one of the popular ones uh and i picked a song uh, that i mean they, they've they've just been uh they're all in, in the process of releasing their uh, I'm not sure if it's an EP or an album, but they've been consistently coming out with songs uh, every month or so. And um, I'm kind of going back to a song that they released a few months ago. Maybe I can fly that epic. Um, Only because it's it's kind of... uh, They've changed their sound going towards more pop uh, and uh, to say like it's more commercial sounding. Uh, which isn't bad. Like it's great. It's great. It's a good song. Great song. It gives you, it it makes you think of Maroon 5. uh, But, but again, like when, when I first heard, when I met Toast, I, I used to joke about how they sound like the Indian Mumford and Sons. Now, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing could be taken. Anyways, a lot of people hate Mumford and Sons too, but uh, they, they were like the, or they had that Indian Mumford and Sons folkish sound, which has now kind of, changed but when you do listen to the song they do have their trademark uh, you know chorus where everybody sings along it's got a sing-along uh, chorus and uh, and after maybe I can fly they released a couple more other songs which are more uh, trademarked to the sound that they originally had but you do see that shift in in the way they sound from from their earlier work and that's why I kind of picked the song the song has a nice vibe very catchy um, yeah So uh, I I was flagged
0: on this band when I met Toast. first of all amazing name just a perfect (laughs) name for an Indian band. Um, I was flagged up on it when one of our contributors Barkha Kumari she interviewed a bunch of the of the band members for a a big article on on the Chakra.com so I would uh, you know people who are who who are interested in the band who who may like the song we're about to play and want to know more about them do check out Barkha's article. Um, So for the uninitiated and I'm going to quote Barkha from her article. Uh, when Chai Metos are a multilingual pop folk band from Kochi. And as you said, Adi, they have drawn comparisons to bands like Mumford & Sons and the Luminaires or even singers like uh, John Mayer. And in the Indian context, I would, uh, sh- she said she would liken their feel-good songs instrumentation to that of Pratik Kohard and the local train. Um, last year, they were also named a Spotify Radar Rising Artist and YouTube's Indian Indie Hotlist. Uh, so they have made, their quartet, they made use of Malayali, Tamil and English in the past and, and have started using Hindi too. So they really are going for this like pan-India feel and uh, it seems like there's a lot of different inspirations that they're pulling into the music. Um, so yeah, uh, if you yeah. guys want to learn, learn more about When Chai Met Toast, do read that article. And for now, this is the song that Adi has picked as a song of the month. When Chai Met Toast, the song is called Maybe I Can Fly.
2: Maybe I can't fly Maybe I can't fly Maybe I can't fly So high oh. I see our lights go blazing by As we go higher, I feel I'm at 19 million miles Maybe I can't fly Maybe I can't fly Maybe I can't fly Maybe I can't fly, Maybe I can fly so high oh
0: I'm now here with Shasta Vashnov to talk about books. How are you doing, Hi, Shasta? Hi,
4: Karan. Great, great. It's great to be here as always.
0: Uh, so what have you been reading this past month? I know you, you presented so many different options of, of so many different books that you, that you could talk about, but uh, we discussed a very specific one that it's a book that I see everywhere, which you want to lead with today.
4: Yes, actually. So I want to talk about uh, a really fun one out of all the books I've been reading called Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows by Balik or Jaswal. Uh, so uh, it's it, it's not exactly what it sounds like, the title, but in a way, it is exactly what it sounds like as well, because uh, the book covers many different themes. Like it's, it, it's about identity. It's about, uh, uh, you know, immigrants and their kind of confusion at you know being very traditional and at the same time you know living in a totally different culture and it's about um, honor killings uh, mm. a lot of it I mean it's, it's a surprise element is all the honor killing it has a it has a parallel mystery uh, you know uh, track going on and it has erotica of course because that's the whole theme uh, that's the whole you know story so it has all these different themes rolled into one so one would think wow this is a bit serious and it has all these you know honor killings and everything but it's so light-hearted uh it, it makes it deals with all these topics in a light-hearted readable manner you know so yes it's serious parts mm-hmm. of it are serious but parts of it are very breezy memorable funny you know so which is what i liked about it actually because uh, it makes it so much more accessible to everyone to read about these topics and um, these
0: are short stories? These no,
4: are, no, not at, all, not at all. Okay, it's one Even novel. I thought it was short mm-hmm. It's a novel. It's not okay. a complete novel. So I'll tell you a summary of the story. Yeah. It's basically about, uh, uh, it's about Indian immigrants, the Sikh community set in Southall, in London. Okay. It's this typical, typical, uh, you know, foreign community living mm-hmm. in uh, uh, London. And uh, it revolves around the protagonist, who's a girl called Nikki. And she's extremely confused about her identity. Like she wants to be independent, Brit, the way she's grown up. At the same time, her family is very traditional, very typically sick, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's always confused about that. And she's kind of, so circumstances lead, like one thing leads to another. She works as a bartender, but she wants to get another job. So she, so she decides to take a job in the Gurudwara or the community center mm-hmm. as, uh, as a creative writing teacher. Oh. So when she takes up this job, <laughs> she has all these people enrolled who are mainly all these Panju aunties who work mm-hmm. in, I mean, who come to the Gurudwara to pray or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're all these like super old aunties. And she was like, okay, maybe they want to, you know, write or whatever. So fine. And it's a free class, right? Mm-hmm. And then they, they come and she realizes they can't write. They can't mm-hmm. speak English. They can't write English. They don't mm-hmm. know how to read A, B, C. So they've actually come to learn how to write oh wow yeah so because she teaches starts teaching them that and then she realizes they're not even interested like they're so old now they're all in their 60s 70s what will they do with writing right? and then somehow one thing leads to another and they start sharing erotica like erotic Mm -hmm. stories from their own lives like from their husbands who are no more or from people or from things they've heard of and the stories are very very like risky very very like out there like they talk about everything like vegetables used as you know tools and like very very like village type erotica but it's yeah. because obviously they're all from a village mm-hmm. back home and uh and they they actually cover a lot of stuff they cover same-sex erotica they cover huh. um you know, uh, older woman, younger man, all, all sorts of different themes are covered. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that, they find the sort of uh, uh, camaraderie, they find the sort of security in a group and mm-hmm. they, they become very, very tight. Mm-hmm. And parallelly, there's this whole mystery track going on of, uh, of honor killings, like of murders mm-hmm. that are happening within the community. In because Southall. it's such a, yeah, in Southall, such oh. a traditional closed minded community. That if a person feels like this woman or this daughter of the family has, uh, you know, has made them ashamed for some reason or has run off with a foreigner or etc, they actually go as far as to kill the person. Wow. So even there's a community called the Brotherhood, which is very like, oh, why why aren't you wearing your dupatta? uh this that's a, this this group of widows has to keep the story really these the fact that they're sharing erotic stories really really secret mm. right because they're the last people on earth who will be allowed to share the kind of stuff they're sharing so the story kind of goes on about mm. how they uh, uncover all these killings and etc so it's a it's a really fun thing because it's interspersed with the erotic the story so yeah i thought it was a very uh, different book you know something fun
0: such a brilliant idea. Like that is a, a great idea for, for for a novel, you know, like uh, just that pitch would, it would actually make a really good film too, you know, something like a bended so like Beckham is, style, you know.
4: No, no, it is being made into a film. Uh, in okay. fact, Balik or what? just, so the book released in 2017, in 2018, mm-hmm. it was taken to be scripted and then 2019, everything was being finalized right before the lockdown and everything came to a, stand, uh, okay. a standstill. Okay. So I guess they'll start it again now. Okay. Um, but what I really liked about the book is uh, the fact that it showed a lot of older women that life is not over yeah. just because you're Indian or you're a certain caste or sect or certain mm-hmm. age or you're a widow, mm-hmm. your life is not over. There's so much that can happen even sexually, even physically, yeah. etc. So there's a lot of uh, there a lot of messages in it, apart from the obvious ones about identity and racism and honor killing. Uh, there are other subtle messages about... Uh, a woman's life and how layered it can be you know it's not a one-dimensional thing so i really enjoyed that part
0: do they you mentioned racism so does the book actually take a look at because obviously uh, it, it seems like one of the major themes is the patriarchy that is sort of forcing these women to you know be afraid yes. almost and, and be sort of cornered away into this in this creative writing or i guess storytelling uh, class right uh, but but is there okay. also a running theme of them being minorities in, uh, even though Southall is basically uh, uh, another like city of Punjab really in, in, in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. But they're still minorities in the in the larger UK, right? Is there the
2: theme of racism?
4: Yeah, especially uh, when they talk about how these widows, or how these women rather, when they were young, they came, they migrated to such a lonely place, such a lonely mm-hmm. culture where they didn't, uh, you know, they had no friends, they couldn't speak the language, they didn't know what to do, they were just They were so cocooned that they sort of remained in that cocoon for years on end. Like some of them have been in Southall for like 40, 50 years and they still don't know how to speak English, you know, so it's, uh, and they're very awkward around English people and also it was not so much as as racism as much as I would say, uh, yeah, as much as identity uh, crisis, you know, like they really could not, they could not blend, they could not fit. So they, they were still misfits, and, and in that's that actually, sense, uh, yeah. sorry go on in that sense it reminded me slightly of Zadie smith's white teeth like some of the identity themes and all reminded also because that was also set in london and everything so it did remind me of that but uh colored people and i wouldn't say it's a racist problem as much of an identity problem
0: so the, I, I was gonna say the the, the that's a very realistic look at a, a, a community because they, they. I mean, my own, you know, I have uh, relatives, cousins, aunties, like I'm half Sikh. So I know of like all of these families that are in these parts of the world where they really, they don't know English even. They, they don't know anything outside of their own, um, outside of their own protective, you know, cocoon, right? Yeah. So uh, it, it's a, f- I mean, it's, it's a fun expose, into this, this subculture, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I wonder if it was well received in, within the UK. Like, what, what, it was, was it controversial? Was it, um, uh, you, was you popular? Know, I, I know it's popular here. I see it everywhere. in you India. You
4: know, one would have thought it would be controversial because it has some really like uh, risky topics it deals with, including religion, uh, including, uh, you know, and especially erotica in a gurudwara and stuff like that. It is a mm-hmm. bit, you know, uh, risky, but I think it's yeah. really done. I mean, maybe it's the times we live in, but uh, Reese mm-hmm. Witherspoon chose it for her book club as usual. And after that, it just okay. sort of went into a lot of book clubs and it's got a lot of good reviews. And so Balikor, I think, is writing her next book also, which is about uh, the Shergill sisters or something like that. So she all her books have similar themes, you know, uh, on mm-hmm. like Punjabi Sikh uh, families. So uh, mm-hmm. I think it was really well-received, actually. I don't think there was much controversy around it. Not, nothing that I could uh, find in my searches. So oh, maybe mm-hmm. I didn't search for that exactly. Maybe there was some. But because I did think while reading that, oh, okay, this book has taken a lot of liberties. But I guess now you can. That's yeah. the whole point of art, right? And
0: uh, and, and, and you mentioned that it's... Um, that, that, I mean, once once it gets received by like these big book clubs in the West and then like, you know, non-Indians can also then open up and sort of, you know, read about our Indian culture, so to say, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, there's
4: a very different part of Indian culture because nobody thinks that uh, that these traditional ladies who speak Punjabi have this whole other side to them, you know? And mm-hmm. it's it's really, uh, it's, it's sweet in a way. It's endearing to know that they're mm-hmm. as real as the next person, you know, they have mm-hmm. the same fantasies, they have the same uh, desires and everything that people... Would not attribute to an old auntie going to a gurudwara, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
4: <laughs> in that sense, it goes against stereotypes and stuff. So it's nice.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you read uh, an uplifting book because I reread a book that was <laughs> that, that that was in, in its mood. Uh, I mean, I would say also funny, but in its mood, eventually quite dark. Um,
4: oh God! So <laughs> I know what you're in, talking about.
0: In in preparation for um, the Netflix release of the White Tiger. I decided to reread mm-hmm. the white tiger from you know whenever i mean i must have read it 11 12 years ago when it first came out and there was so much hype about it so um uh yeah and then so i, I wanted to review the film but i wanted to sort of do this comparison between book and movie because uh, i was just very curious to see how how the, how it would translate you know um and honestly i was i was curious to reread the book just just because it was such a big deal back in the day right um no. so uh, I mean, unless our listeners have been living under a rock, like I'm sure they've heard of The White Tiger by Ravind Adiga. It was an immensely yeah. popular no- novel, first published in 2008. It won the Booker Prize the same year. Um, 2008 was like this year, which was like big for Indian representation in the Western world, because it was also the year where Slumdog Millionaire was released. And it won oh. like every damn okay. award. You know? um, right, right. And, and also of importance, it was also the year i mean i'll get back to that why it's important but, but it was also the year when uh, the Beijing olympics happened so china also became well known and open to the western world so it was like a, a big it, it was a big year for these two big developing nations right um, i'll get back to that but anyways like a uh, quick summary of uh, white tiger the novel if you guys haven't read it uh, the, the narrator of the story is balram halwai who, who tells the story through a series of letters to the then premier of china wen Jiabao. so it was sort of, like, I mean, China had already had its sort of coming out party as an economic and cultural superpower. And, um, you know, it, was, it wasn't was so many years after the India shining uh, sort of uh, political campaign, right? Uh, signaling the rise of India as an economic superpower. Like things look very bright for India and China f- uh, from an outsider's perspective. Uh, but the white tiger sort of questioned some of that sheen and it provides a voice to a side of India that is like rarely expressed in, in popular media. Uh, Balram, Balram is born a poor low-caste man f- from the village of Lakshmangar in Jharkhand. Uh, despite his background, he's extremely entrepreneurial in, in very small ways in the beginning. He's always dreaming of bigger and better things. And in his letters to Premier Wen, he details how he went from his village to becoming a, a driver for a rich family in Tanbad. Then he follows the family's young couple, Ashok and Pinky, to live in Gurgaon and New Delhi. Uh, the story very closely explores the tension of class and money between the rich and the poor in India. But from the perspective of the poor man, uh, Balram's voice, which is like Andi- Adiga's uh, narrative voice, is often very hilarious. It's very intelligent it's very perceptive. And, like, it's, you know, it, I must say, it was, there were parts of the book that were cringeworthy, of course, but it was thoroughly entertaining, you know, even in the reread. Uh, there are a lot of important themes in the book that, um, you know, I, I don't want to get into many, too much detail right now, but um, I would say, you know, this, this a standout idea of sin and crime, you know, the white collar crime, like the rich man's crime and a poor man's crime, because this whole time, um, the, the rich in the novel are paying off politicians uh, to, to get their business done, but the poor feel guilty about small crimes at all times, you know, like, like, like stealing hundred rupees is considered like a big deal, but, whereas these guys are stealing like entire industries, right? Um, And so, you know, and and the poor like Balram, they they sort of have to be, you know, they they have been sort of uh, put into this practice subservience, which uh, Adiga calls being stuck in the chicken coop, where even the poor who want to escape their fate, they can't, you know. Um, Now the novel, it's, this is a spoiler for the movie, but if you read the novel, it shouldn't be novel surprises. It spoils the... The twist very early, within the first chapter, you know that Balram is going to kill Ashok, his um, his employer. Uh, the, the, the movie sort of saves that for, for, for later. Um, and it's uh, in, in the movie, you know, the, I mean, the novel is obviously very brilliant and definitely insightful. But I must say, like, it brought back these memories of, you know, why I didn't really love it that much when I first read it. Like, why I was, I just felt. A, a bit weird why everyone in the west is obsessed with this novel and why a lot of indians were not I, I don't know how you felt when you first read it but i liked it but i was also like this is definitely a bit overrated Now,
1: like you yeah. got
4: no to be honest i also read it and i remember thinking okay good read yeah but yeah that's it's not it's not going to be one of my oh my god this book like never you know and i will it was fine. Like I got, I didn't get the whole hype, like you're saying. Mm. And it. I wasn't even tempted to watch the film because I had heard bad reviews already. And it's not something that really interests me like the life of, a, I think because we've seen this theme so often, like this poor, rich and, you know, caste uh, class divide. And, uh, you know, it's not interesting enough, I feel. And I feel like uh, I I just can't wrap my head around a, a, a working class person or, or rather like a help, you know, speaking great English and I don't know, it's very Anglicized. The whole thing was very Anglicized and not relatable to at all. So,
0: so that, that exactly is what I was going to speak about. Like they, Adiga made a very like ingenious decision because by choosing to have narrative set as a letter, as let, send a, a letters to Wenjibao, we are already in the frame of seeing this novel through as an as an uh, India being explained to a foreigner because you know for example if if you're going to write you know if you're going to write a story about an uh, American person moving their way up American social class you won't necessarily write it as an introduction to America like welcome to America this is the Statue of Liberty or you know we are famous for xyz things but whereas for some reason a lot of Indian stories, which are trying to get the West interested, have to dumb down their, you know, the material so that like Westerners understand. They have an understanding of what India is all about, right? Um, yeah. So it, it, it was a choice that worked for him because you know uh, now he now he could explain that as much as he wants, right? Um, yeah. He was clearly aiming for a foreign readership with this novel, and it worked. Like it, uh, it, it did really well. You know, it was it was like a, it was India translated for non-Indians um it's but, but i felt that, that sort of explaining sort of thing it came at the expense of the novel's forward momentum now it is a still a very fast paced novel like it is this stuff happening all the time but i think it could have be, be, been even better if things were just happening instead of being explained you know um
4: yeah definitely
0: now the no, movie
4: good...
0: I was, the, the, the movie is basically it takes that and then Actually, does it almost? It's it's too close an adaptation. I wish the movie had been a bit more brave and done things slightly differently. But it's it's like the narrative voice is is continuing in his like the accents, man. I, I hated the accents of everyone in this film because it's the accent that Americans think Indians should have, right, when speaking English. Um,
4: yeah. So it's really, it's, it's very cringy and off-putting, honestly. So I would not watch it, actually. I wouldn't even be tempted. Uh, and I really didn't remember uh, Priyanka Chopra's character oh. at all. I was, con- I was confused because when I, I mean, the impressions I took from reading the book, maybe now, which is a good 12, 13 years later, is this, the, the, the help and his, the driver and his master. Yeah that those B-B-Bramadu are the characters yeah. yeah yeah those are the characters that stood out uh where was a where was a female lead even in the book i mean maybe i missed it totally but uh, suddenly i see priyanka chopra as such a big uh, you know
0: she was uh, <laughs> she, she, she played a small but very pivotal role in the book like it was her mistake that sort of got things out of spiraling out of control um
2: right
0: so but actually to be fair i think in the movie they they, they do you know overreach priyanka chopra's character a little bit but but all in all she actually has a backstep in the movie it is mostly about balram the guy who plays balram adarsh gaurav i think he is the most valuable player of this of this movie he was excellent i think he has a bright future ahead um but yeah apart from this so um i i, I wrote about this in my review of the film and i can say the exact same thing about the book um hmm. There's a famous scene. It's a hilarious, famous scene in the book where, uh, when Balram is at the train station in in Delhi, one of his like his his employer's elder brother. His name he calls him the mongoose, and the mongoose loves the masala dosa at the train station, but the mongoose doesn't like the potatoes because he farts too much. So Balram takes out the potatoes and gives him the dosa as it is, and it's like this like amazing detail which I really love. You know, in the, in the book, but. I feel that the, the 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 movie is India without the potatoes, or oh, sorry, the book, the the, the the entire book is you're taking out the masala from the dosa of India. You are giving readers just like this, you know. A dosa is pretty good, but why are you taking out the real sort of masala of it? You know, so so I, I I say let them fight. Show them show them India as it is. <laughs>
4: That that's a good one. That's a that's a really good. Uh, yeah, it, it's a good insight. And I've while you've been talking, I've been uh, realizing the similarities between your book and mine again because mm-hmm. of the whole uh, the way uh, India or Indians are seen abroad. Uh, you know, even in my book and your book as well, it's. Um, I think it's 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 looking at India as this curious foreign creature when actually mm. everybody's just as human as everyone else, yeah. right? And it's not we're not meant to be exoticized or you yeah. know uh, romanticized in any way. And it's like everybody's just trying to uh, coexist and be as real as we are. So I feel like yeah, that's the
2: yeah.
4: parallel theme.
0: <laughs> I mean, all in all, I'm glad I reread the book. it, it, it is an excellent book. He, you know, um, I, I don't think he has written anything of. And I, I know Selection Day did relatively well, but really, like not, nothing has touched his sort of the, the the voice that he had in in in, the, in that first published novel. Um,
4: I think I have The Last Man in Tower, uh, okay. which has been on my reading list since it was mm-hmm. released because I bought the book because I enjoyed The White Tiger. Mm-hmm. I bought this uh but i haven't read it so maybe when i get down to reading it it's about redevelopment and everything which was a big deal i think around 2010 yeah so um yeah when i read it i'll let you know
0: sure yeah yeah um yeah uh and if you guys have any any more comments about you know the books we have discussed today or any future books that you know you want us to talk about do let us know um but for now, thank you, Shaisa, for joining me. Uh, this was a fun new chat we had. Thank interview. you so much. A big thank you to all the guests for joining us today. And of course, to all the listeners who have tuned in. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please check us out on chucker.com And we are on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter at The Until next time, Chakkar Ghoomte Raho.